1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: There are lots of books written about faith, to be sure, and lots of books about sports. But a book that combines both faith and sports, in this case, God and golf, well, probably not so many. And yet we're going to meet a guy who wrote just one. Joining me today in studio is the senior pastor from Faith Fellowship in San Leandro, Pastor Gary Morterra. Pastor Gary, good to see you. Craig, good to see you, friend. So golf and God, huh? That's kind of an interesting title, but in many ways kind of describes your life's journey, doesn't it?
3: Yep. I was uh, chasing the golf tour when the Lord called me and saved me and wanted me to go in the ministry, and I kicked against that like Jonah. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to play golf, but the Lord, uh, he won. You can only fight him so long. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. Uh, But I still compete at a high level at times. And uh, I wanted to evangelize some of the guys that I play with and actually wrote it as a booklet to give out as a testimonial. Put the gospel of Jesus in there. And so it's my life story in golf. Short version, uh, but the gospel is weaved
2: all through the book. You are a Bay Area kid, born and raised, I think, in Oakland. Yep, 35 years. And the the trajectory in your life took a turn, as you suggest. Uh, you were looking at desirous of a life in the pro golfing world, mm-hmm. and yet, as a young man raised in the church, I should say, yep uh, but God wasn 't always a major component in your life in terms of of where you were headed, at least not not early on as a young man, was he? At age 16, uh, I said to my
3: parents, I'm not going to church anymore because you want me to go. They were very godly, raised us in church uh, multiple times. Um, and about 18, I really took a left turn into the world and you know tried most of the flavors that are out there. Uh, so from 18 to 22, I just was living a young man's life. and uh, But God just continued pressing in through different avenues and different people, and so one night when I was 22 years old, uh, I was watching the Raiders play the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night with my buddies, uh, getting loaded and uh, just doing the thing. And all of a sudden a sense came over me. I, I got to get out of here. And I said to my friends, I got to go. And they said, go, go where, where are you going? The Raiders are on. I said, I got to go to church, man. And they said, it's Monday night. I said, I got to go. And uh, something was just compelling me to leave. And so I got in my car and drove to a little church in North Oakland And I sat in the back row. A young black preacher was preaching on the love of God. And I knew it was time for me to surrender my life. And so when he had the altar call, I went forward and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said, Lord, if you could die for me, then I could live for you. And it changed
2: my life. So those seeds that had been planted in your life early on clearly had an impact. And a praying mom. My mom would,
3: every time I would come home late at night, she'd be on her knees praying And I said, Mom, why are you always praying? And she said, I'm praying for you and your brother, that you'll surrender your life to the Lord. And it used to hound me.
2: (laughs) That that early sense of rebellion, was that more toward conformity, uh, parents? I mean, we all go through those stages. But sometimes that rebellion early on can be rebellion toward God, because we have a sense that there's a calling. We have a sense that he wants something of us. And every bit of our flesh is fighting against that. What was it for you? Well, you know, you think about the nation
3: of Israel, right? God gives them his holy laws. And yet all the nations around them were so free to do whatever they wanted to do. And so that's why God said don't hang out with them. Don't intermarry with them because you'll be tempted to go their way because the world system seems more attractive and more fun. Um, And living for the Lord is a a narrow path, as Jesus said. And so uh, going to public schools... You know, hearing what's going on, watching what's going on, all the women that are out there, all the stuff. You know, it seemed more attractive than going to church and serving the Lord. And so, I, as a young man, just opted for that for a while. And realized after a few years, this is empty. This is this takes you
2: nowhere. And so, uh, that's when I started to respond to the Lord. And, and perhaps for a lot of us, that that sense that there is a gnawing there, there is that. Some describe it as a God-shaped vacuum that is looking to be fulfilled by God, and yet we tend to try to put everything else in there, be it relationships, money, drugs, sports, fast living— And, yeah, I guess even maybe some eavesdropping on this conversation today would say, yeah, a day on the golf course on a Sunday, uh, playing 18 holes sounds a lot more attractive than sitting in a hard pew for two hours in church on a Sunday morning. And yet there's something that the church experience, and specifically a relationship with God, will satisfy that a month of Sundays or a lifetime spent chasing that little white ball around on the lawn will never satisfy. That's right. And God's not opposed to us enjoying things. I mean, Paul said in First Timothy
3: chapter six, God has given us freely everything to enjoy. He just wants to be the center of what we do. He wants to be God to us. And uh, so often we push God out because we want to do life our way, not realizing that tomorrow's promised to no one. I mean, the next breath we take isn't promised to us. And so, what really is important? E- eternity. That's what's really important. And so, how can I live my life? serve god still enjoy myself but realize he has a purpose for me and i'm thankful craig that at age 22 i I was able to see that it saved me a lot of heartache
2: there are a lot of people that have a perspective too that god is waiting up in heaven with a large stick Mm -hmm. just watching our every move waiting for us to step out of lines that he can boom bring that stick down on our head um what was that perspective like for you as a young man growing up? Yeah, it was there because obviously I had knowledge of God and,
3: and uh, people that weren't raised in church or in a religious background don't have that deep of a sense of it. But I did. I had that sense. But I just wanted to do my thing. And I would rationalize and justify it. Well, why is this wrong? Well, why can't I do that? So what's the big deal? And so you, you fight against the knowledge that you have. And it's like it says in Romans 1.18, you know, they suppress the truth of God. And so it's easy to suppress God to do your own thing. But you'll find in the long run, uh, sometimes God will even give you what you want. Uh, I think in the Psalms it says, God gave them what they desired, but he sent them leanness of soul. There's just an emptiness in your soul. Okay, I'll let you do it your way. I'll let you go down your path, but it's empty. And so, uh, you know, thankfully at an early age I saw that and I responded to it that Monday night. That was hard walking out of that house that night with my buddies. And they were like, what? It's Monday. Huh? The Raiders are on, man. And uh, But I had to do what was right for me.
2: When you turned that corner, what did the journey look like for you early on? You, you've suddenly made this shift where you pronounce at the age of 16, I'm done with organized religion. Suddenly at the age of 22 – God himself is tapping you on the shoulder. So now you're beginning to make a pretty massive paradigm shift. Was huge. there a, a struggle there? And and was there a sense early on that part of what God had for you would ultimately include full-time ministry? Mm-hmm. Both and. It was a
3: both and. It was a huge struggle because I only knew unsaved friends. And so I'm, I'm coming into a small church, which was Faith Fellowship at the time under Gary Goodell, Ron Cannoli, back in the early 80s. And, um, so it was a small circle, but my big circle was all the guys and women I used to know friends. And so here I am shifting out and they're watching this shift and they're going, dude, something's changed in you. And, uh, so it opened up a huge door of evangelism, but the temptation was still there. And, uh, I just made a commitment to the Lord and myself that I was just going to serve the Lord. And by the power of the Holy spirit, you're able to do it. Uh, and then, all my friends started wanting to know about what is this change. So all of a sudden, here I am preaching to all my unsaved friends, and many of them got saved after that. And so there was the dual thing of, oh, man, that's very that's Egypt, right? It's, I can hear it.
2: <laughs> and yet, wow, the Lord is touching their lives through what he's doing in mine. And it's a process, too, isn't it, in the sense that some people falsely think that when they make a commitment to Christ, when they surrender their life to the Lord. While Scripture tells us that all things have changed then, we become a new creature in Christ Jesus, there is, though, that process of surrendering. Paul talked about the need to die daily Mm -hmm. to the flesh. So there is that process of sanctification that takes a bit more time, isn't there? That's still going on.
0: I hope so. (laughs) That's 36
3: (laughs) years ago, and it's still going on. It's like Paul said, you know, till Christ is formed in you, you know, take you from glory to glory. Um, But you know, changes should be made immediately. There should be a distinct difference. Uh, uh, what repentance, metanoia, means to turn and go in a different direction, think differently, and God does that. And all of a sudden, you're getting your mind transformed by the Word and under good teaching and preaching and uh, different I- influences in your life. You know, you're now you're with a Christian community rather than just an unsaved community. And so it's difficult to live it out in an ungodly world that we live in, but uh, but you can do it.
2: Over time, does that that taste that desire for things of the old life begin to diminish you know the bigger things yeah but
3: sin is right there craig i mean we all have a sin nature paul said it's no longer i but sin in me that makes me do these things and who will save me from this body of death and it's only through the work of the holy spirit it is you know he said in galatians 5 that if you walk in the spirit you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the spirit lusts against the flesh it wars against each other um and so The more you walk in the spirit, the easier it is. Uh,
2: The more you get away from those things, then the flesh wants to take over. Joining me today in studio is Pastor Gary Mortero, of course, he is the senior pastor at Faith Fellowship Church located in San Leandro. More information, by the way, about the church online at faith-fellowship.us. That's faith-fellowship.us. Gary also hosts I Speak Life, the radio program, heard weekday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. We'll tell you a bit more about that coming up later on in our conversation. Meanwhile, a brief timeout. Back with more right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Welcome back to The Conversation. Pastor Gary Morterra with us today, Senior Pastor at Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro. Information about the ministry, by the way, available online at faith-fellowship.us. That's faith-fellowship.us. His broadcast, I Speak Life, weekday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. And you can get details about that at the KFAX website by simply going to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com. When did you get the sense, after God tapping you on the shoulder that day, watching the Raiders game, that now there was more than just the Lord desiring to be closer to you, but that he had his hand on you for eventually what would become full-time ministry. Yeah, it took a little while. Um, You know,
3: first you're getting your feet under you and you're trying to live a Christian life. And um, I I immediately, when I saw my friends starting to be very interested and the Lord was giving me what seemed to me at that time wisdom beyond my study uh, to share the gospel with them and their lives were being touched, I I soon wanted to teach a Bible study. I wanted to get my friends all on a big Bible study. And so I went to my pastor, and he said, well, why don't you take a little time before you do that because you don't know much yet. Uh, Even though I was raised in a Christian home, I probably knew more than the brand-new Christian down the street. Um, So I waited a while and started just reading. And um, the Lord put people in my life. He put a young black man from Oroville, California, in my life who was probably one of the sharpest minds I've ever seen. Um, And he began to pour into my life how to study the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so I just began to buy all Walter Martin stuff, Bible Answer Man, uh, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness. And so I started learning theology very quickly and finally started a Bible study with six people in the living room. It grew to 35 or 40. Later on, the parents wanted me to be the youth pastor because the youth pastor left. So we started with seven kids and grew to 100 in a year. And I was like, okay, Maybe the Lord's is wanting me to do this, but I still wanted to go after the PGA Tour. And so I kept fighting it. I just kept fighting it. And so eventually I surrendered. Uh, I remember I had a caddy who is now a, ju- or a lawyer in uh, Oakland, Jewish guy, Ivan Gold. He used to caddy for me, and we were getting ready to go on the, uh, different tours to play. And he called me up and he goes, okay, Gary, I got this whole year mapped out. We're going to go to the Canadian tour. Then we're going to try the South African tour and we're going to go to the... And I said, Ivan, I can't do it. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I already got it all mapped. I said, Ivan, I can't do it. God's calling me to the ministry. And he's like, what? I said, I, I can't do it. And so at that point, when I said it out of my mouth, the shift became real.
2: It's interesting how you also suggest that early on the, the, the principle of discipleship played a massive role in your life, the man that discipled you in his word, not only the appreciation, but the how-to studying part, and that how that quickly also evolved into you then discipling others and then seeing the growth and the increase. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess that is God's best design for church growth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a calling right Ephesians 4 says and he called
3: some to be apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers so not everybody's called to be a pastor um, but we're all called to bear fruit Mm -hmm. much fruit fruit that will last and so I don't know how you can be really a Christian especially in America a free country and not affect other people's lives I mean I think there's something missing if that's happening Um, so as a Christian you're supposed to let your light shine you're the salt of the earth and And I knew that at that point the Lord was calling me to something more than just being a Christian on the golf course. Uh, One of the reasons also was that I was missing the cuts in some of the tournaments by one stroke every
2: time. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how God will let that happen. (laughs) One stroke. I mean, it's probably
3: happened a dozen times by one stroke. So it's like, okay, Lord, you know, that putt could have dropped. It lipped out. You know, whatever.
2: <laughs> At the end of the day, do you get the sense, though, that fully surrendering your life brings you significantly more satisfaction? And and I ask that question because Scripture tells us that he will give us the desires of his heart. But we also know that the Lord wants our heart set on him. Mm-hmm. And, as much as the the attraction, the appeal, and it could be anything for anybody listening, you know whether you want to be the number one golfer on the PGA or the number one football player on the gridiron or the number one businessman selling a million widgets a week, whatever the case might be uh, there's sort of that that fleshy pull, that earthly desire, that sense of fulfillment um, in human terms that's that's there in our psyche, and it's part of our culture too, and yet. Going back to that sense of there being that God-shaped vacuum that only He can fit into, that only He can provide fulfillment, do you find over a course of time that as much as, yeah, the golfing is attractive, the relationship with God and fulfilling what He has specifically and uniquely called you to do becomes even more attractive and even more satisfying? For me, yes.
3: Um, Now, there are guys on the PAGA Tour that love the Lord as much as you and I do, and they're right in the center of God's will. It just wasn't God's will for my life. Uh, He wanted me to be a a pastor and a teacher, a shepherd of his people. And um, I'm thankful I did that. And, you know, you just know. Like in golf, the lower the score, the better. So par is 72. If you shoot 69, that's great. 68 is better. 67 is better. 66 is better. People tell me that every time I speak – I shoot 63, right? So that's a nice compliment, and I enjoy pastoring. I enjoy study. I enjoy teaching God's Word. I enjoy seeing people's lives transformed,
2: and uh, that's why we do what we do. And at the end of the day, it's really simply a matter of surrendering to Him for whatever that means for our life, because as you suggest, your ministry, the impact, is no less significant than the person involved, and we'll call it for a more generic term, marketplace evangelism, who maybe in your example is on the PGA tour, and being able to speak truth into the lives of people that you can't reach, you can't touch because you don't have access to them. That's right, and I I
3: believed the uh, I don't know what you call it, the dream that well Lord, if you let me just win one of those tournaments, it will open up such bigger platform for me to speak. (laughs) And the Lord's like, yeah, in my time, boy. Uh Uh, (laughs) You know, going back to your question too about, I said a couple of weeks ago at our church that there's two most important days of your life, or the day that you're born, and the day that you realize why you were born. Mm. And once you come to that place of realizing, okay, what is my purpose in life, and you find it, man, that's a beautiful day in your life. And so...
2: Pastor Gary Mortero with us today in studio, senior pastor at Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro. He also has a radio broadcast called I Speak Life, heard Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. You follow John MacArthur. You're good friends with John MacArthur. Does he know that you get the last word at the end of the (laughs) (laughs) I told him that you put me on right
3: after him to straighten out his theology. By the way, we're on at 10 o'clock at night. And I think at 3.30 in the morning also. That's for the folks who get up real early or stay up
2: late. So we're on three times a day, KFAX. And uh, again, the entire program schedule available for you at kfax.com. The uh, church website, by the way, is faith-fellowship.us. That's faith-fellowship.us. You might be new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a good, solid Bible teaching home. Um, If so, we invite you to check out Faith Fellowship. Um, Service time Sunday mornings? 9 a.m., 10.45 10.45 a.m. and then 12.45. So yeah. those like to sleep in a little bit, that's yeah. something for everybody. Yeah. Details again on the web at faith-fellowship.us. A brief time out, back to more of the conversation with Pastor Gary Mortero from Faith Fellowship
1: right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: And welcome back to our conversation with Pastor Gary Martera. Gary, of course, is Senior Pastor at Faith Fellowship in San Leandro. Information about the church ministry online, by the way, at faith-fellowship.us. That's faith-fellowship.us. The radio broadcast, I Speak Life, weekday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. Tell us about How God Called You to Faith Fellowship. When you first stepped into this church, it is one that had been around for a number of years, had a dwindling congregation, and I understand at one point the pastor just said, that's it, I'm done, and and almost literally walked away from the congregation. Yeah.
3: I uh, got saved, like I said, November of 1980 by February, March of 81, so just a couple of months later. Uh, I was praying about, Lord, what church do you want me to go to? My dad went to a wonderful all-black church in Oakland that's still there today, All Nations Pentecostal Prayer Clinic. Uh, But they went to service till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My mom went to a little Italian Pentecostal church that was a little more slow-motion, hymnals kind of thing. And so I needed something that fit more my personality and style. So I met a guy on the golf course, and he said, Why don't you come check out my church, Faith Fellowship, in Oakland. It was in Oakland on 64th and Bancroft. Gary Goodell was a pastor. Ron Canoli was the worship leader. And I went there. It was a church about 125, uh, great Bible teaching. And I said, This is a church for me. Well, I didn't know that 12 years later I'd be the pastor mm. of that church. So that church grew under Gary Goodell to about 550 people. He moved it to San Leandro into a high school. And in one Sunday, he said, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm taking a church in San uh Southern California in Los Angeles. Well, he was like Paul to me. I was like his Timothy, and so I wept like a baby. I I thought it was like he died, you know. And the next week, he was gone, and so we're without a pastor. The church is at 550 people. Uh, We were without a pastor for a few months. The elders ran the church. Foursquare then brought in a guy from San Diego, who wasn't accustomed to the Bay Area, and he did not want to take the church back to Oakland where it was originally founded. So he wanted to keep it in San Leandro. Um, he saw me as a threat because I was very popular in the church and I ended up leaving at that point about two years later. And between that time and when he left in 1993, the church went from 550 down to 65 people counting kids and pregnant women twice. And so I was in Oakland. I had started a church pioneer work, never got above a hundred people in those four years. And Foursquare called me and said, hey, Faith Fellowship, the guy's leaving. Do you want to go look at it? And I said, yeah, I'd love to go. That's my home church. We went back there, my wife and I, and uh, we just felt like it was God. And from the first week, like we had 235 people the first week that showed up. I got on the phone and called everybody that had left the church. And I said, hey, I'm the new kid coming back. Just come give me one chance. Just come out this first Sunday. 235 people showed up. And we never looked back, and now we're a church of about 2,000.
2: That sense of sort of the ebb and flow, and, and some people, I think, get intimidated by that. They think, well, if a church is on a decline, that must be a bad thing. But is that always necessarily the truth? It depends on what the reasons are.
3: Um, you know, leadership is leadership. I mean, Maxwell talks a lot about that in his books, that if a company is going backwards uh, for a long period of time, They come in, and the first thing they do is move the leadership out. And someone asked him, why don't you just develop the leader? And he said, well, if they were leader, the the business wouldn't be going backward this long. So we just put in a new leader. So it all depends, Craig. Uh, Every situation is different, and I can't answer for all of them. In this situation, this guy just didn't fit real well in the Bay Area. He didn't have real people skills. He's no longer a pastor
2: at this time. And so that was a bad fit for him. And there is something different about pastoring here, isn't there? I yeah. mean, this, this is, uh, as any pastor in the Bay Area knows, this is by far one of the most challenging mission fields. We have some of the lowest per capita church attendance of anywhere in the nation. We also have the mixed blessing of having such diversity in the Bay Region that um, it's hard not to wind up with a culturally diverse church. If you just reflect your neighborhood, that kind of happens almost organically. And so being sensitive to the uniqueness of the Bay Area, the sense that you've got also, and, and this is, I think, true of you're your part of the East Bay, where it's kind of Silicon Valley North. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very successful, up-and-coming, high-tech people that reside in the footprint of your church for whom Life in the United States is new. Life in the United States is very good financially. And so to convince somebody who maybe doesn't really think about God or thinks about God in different terms than we do or says, hey, I make 150 grand a year. What do I need God for? So it, it makes pastoring a church here a little bit different, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, the Bear is a unique place. It's, you know, like L.A. is a unique place. I don't know if I would do well maybe in another city. (laughs) You know, so God assigns you where he assigns you, and he knows what's best. And so uh, I was born and raised here. I I understand the culture. I can hang out with the yuppies in Danville, and I can hang out with
2: the brothers in Oakland. So I'm comfortable either way. In terms of your ministry at Faith Fellowship, um, it's a diverse congregation. Is that intentional? Um, I think it is. I mean, my right-hand man and my
3: best friend, my senior associate, is a black guy. He's been my buddy for 33 years. He came to our Bible study way back when we first started in a home and where it grew to 35, 40 people. Uh, We've been together for 33 years, uh, and he's African-American, and he's my best friend. And so we present that to the congregation, and they see us loving each other. And so the black community is comfortable coming there. Uh, My wife is black and Spanish, so the Spanish community is comfortable coming to our church. We have a huge Filipino constituency that comes. Uh, I think it's part of the Bay Area,
2: and it's part of heaven. You know, I I love Pastor and Faith Fellowship. And at the end of the day, that's an important point, that we we sometimes need to be reminded of the fact that heaven is not going to be filled with Baptists and Pentecostals and Charismatics and Presbyterians and Methodists. <laughs> it's just going to be filled with saved people. Saved people. All nations, tongues,
3: languages, right? That's who's getting saved. God loves them all. He's not willing that any should perish. And and it's really cool because, you know, you get to understand people's cultures and their backgrounds, their foods, and uh, how they do things, and and that's exciting.
2: And that adds a sense, too, doesn't it, of of breadth and depth to the congregational experience and to things like congregational worship that might otherwise not take place. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading out of the hymnal, and God bless Fanny Crosby, this is a wonderful (laughs) hymn. Ah. Um, And then there's the flavor, if anybody has ever traveled to Africa. Right. Wow. Uh, church service in Africa is unlike anything you'll see here in the United States. Right. And there is a sense of energy that you see and a move of the Holy Spirit that's phenomenal. And so why not a little bit of the two cross-pollinating so that we we enhance the worship experience
3: right. on Sunday morning? Well, you've been to our church. You've experienced uh, our music and worship there, and it's uh, very eclectic. Right? We do sing couple of hymns, you know, on the old rugged cross who wouldn't want to sing that. But we also sing uh, Kirk Franklin, Fred Hammond, Martha Minuzi, Clint Brown and, and all kinds, as, as well as Kim Walker and Jesus Culture. And, you know, we've been blessed over the years to have great musicians and top singers. Uh, Joe Carey, you've heard him sing. I mean, these are really gifted people. And so I want that diversity. In fact, I pick and choose what songs are going into the list each week because I want to reach all of them. And uh, God has been
2: gracious to us. The church has continued to grow. As you mentioned, it was uh, 65, now pushing 2,000. And I suppose we could suggest that needle would push even larger if it wasn't for one thing, um, and that's space. Space, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we need space, brother. <laughs> <Yeah. us. laughs> your, your church was in the news. Uh, Bay Area folks that have been here for a while know that there was a pretty public Um, battle, maybe that's not the right word, Um, certainly. Yeah, that's a good word. Worldview Worldview (laughs) battle, to be sure, Um, in relationship to a piece of property that you had your eyes on in San Leandro that you thought would be fantastic and the city fathers not so. Um, At the end of the day, that made its way to the ninth District Court of Appeals. Higher
3: than that, it Higher went than to the, the United States Supreme Court. Well, get your name up there in Washington, D.C. I was too. on the front cover of the Wall Street Journal, the largest religious article ever on the front cover of Wall Street Journal, over a building that we owned that was perfect for traffic. It's a, It was an industrial area. Nobody's there on the weekends. It was built for semis to make a U-turn. That's how big the streets were. And one guy at the city just put the kibosh on it and turned us into a lawsuit. And uh, it was a lose-lose. I mean, we ended up beating them, but it was a break even at best and just a lot of wasted time. And it was unnecessary. The police department, the fire department, they said, that's a perfect place for your church. We want you to be in that place. The residents in the neighborhood where we're at wanted us to be in that place. But uh, the powers that be are the powers that be. and. It's tough sometimes.
2: In some of the articles that you were quoted in, uh, you were careful to suggest that this is not personal. Um, Did you get the sense throughout this process that it was really the enemy that you were fighting here? Well,
3: Satan is behind those kind of things. But as Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Um, And so, yes, but he uses people as puppets. And so the ignorance of people, the ungodliness, the antichrist spirit – The not seeing the purpose of the church, the need, what we bring, the value to the city, all the ministries we have, helping kids, families, youth, uh, poor people, and somehow that isn't good enough. You're not going to get your way, preacher.
2: At the end, as you say, all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The listeners to this program certainly are familiar with the work of Brad Dacus and Pacific Justice Institute. They did an exemplary job. Outstanding. um, Standing up and representing you guys. Um, At the end, now that you've kind of turned a corner from that battle, as you look forward to, okay, what's going to happen next here? The reality is you still need a larger building. So any idea what God has got in stores is kind of just waiting on him, period?
3: Yeah, well, the good thing, and this is – church multiplication, but we have sent out 10 couples to either start up or take over churches, all of them in the Bay Area. So my heart is to see the Bay one for Christ. Uh, You know, as a local pastor who the Lord has been gracious to be what people would call successful, I've also been able to send young guys out who have been trained under our auspices and are doing great jobs all over the Bay Area. And some of them are as close as three miles away. So that's been awesome. Most pastors, when they pioneer a church, sending out someone, you know, I'll send them to Omaha or Seattle. You don't send them down the street, but um,
2: we've been graced to be able to do that. And down the street is where the need is. Yeah. And they've been trained and equipped in this mission field for this mission field. We have churches uh, that we've sent out the pastors to in Pleasanton,
3: Foster City, Oakland, Emeryville Brentwood Mountain House Uh, we have a church that we discipled Spanish that rents from us at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday so Yeah, it's been pretty cool, but I do need a bigger building, Craig, so
2: (laughs) make that note. If there's somebody listening that has one in San Leandro, (laughs) uh, reach out to Pastor Gary Martera at Faith Fellowship. Hey, we're going to take a brief time out here, get caught up on some things, and then come back to more of the conversation. If you've tuned in a bit late, Pastor Gary Martera is with us today from Faith Fellowship in San Leandro. Information about the ministry online at faith-fellowship.us. That's faith-fellowship.us. Back with more right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: We are back. Pastor Gary Mortero is with us today in studio. His broadcast, I Speak Life, heard weekday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. He, of course, is also the senior pastor at Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro. We joked earlier about the fact that you follow John MacArthur and grace to you. You and John are good friends and golfing buddies. Yes,
3: love John. John's been a dear friend for over 20 years, and uh, he's been like a dad to me in certain respects. And I can't believe that I follow him on the radio. I mean, he was my icon when I was a kid. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, We don't see eye to eye on everything, though.
2: (laughs) But that's okay. I I mean, there's, there's room for a variety of flavors of expression within the body of Christ, and I guess we could probably debate all day long, well, is it better to sprinkle or to dunk, and who knows who's <laughs> going to win that that battle, um, and that's okay. Yeah. You wrote a book. You've wrote several books, but one of the books that you wrote, uh, The Token Charismatic. Um, John is aware that you wrote the book. He's read it. Um, well, he read it in one day. Send you a note with corrections? (laughs) Uh, Actually, I have his
3: text that he sent me after he read. He said, Gary, you make a very compelling argument. However, I've been teaching this for 30-plus years, and I see it the way I see it. In a nutshell, tell us what that argument is. John is a cessationist. He believes that the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12, um, ceased... When the apostles died.
2: Peter petered out. That was it.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that tongues are uh, not for today. They were for a distinct time in the church. And so because John is so widely listened to and well read by other people, I mean, he's a large voice in the kingdom. um, I think and believe that he takes away a certain dynamic from the church because he doesn't believe those things. And he and I have had face-to-face conversations about him for years. What compelled me to write the book is that he had a conference and then wrote a book called Strange Fire, calling all charismatics uh, sort of whacked out. If I could use a better term, um, so I went to him. I actually flew down on my dime, played golf with him at his country club, and I said, "John, you're painting with too broad of a brush." Okay, you know me. I'm charismatic. I'm not one of those whacked-out pastors. You've written me great reports on how well I teach the Word and how well I've studied, So, but you're including all of us in there. He goes, you're right. I, I do need to change my terminology because that's not fair. The second point is, is he really doesn't believe in the gifts, or he redefines how they operate from the Scripture. And so after he said that, he didn't change his terminology. He wrote the book. Everybody read it, and I said, John, I'm going to write a rebuttal to this. And he said, Gare, you're welcome to do that. He said, it's not going to hurt our friendship. You have every right to write your view. And so I did. And I believe, Craig, I honestly believe that the burden of proof is on John. I believe my argument is more compelling. I believe I'm more biblically accurate, and I have the experience to go with it. In fact, he said to me one day, Gary, you base your theology on your experience. And I said, John, you base your theology on your lack of experience. (laughs) (laughs) I said, yeah, I speak in other tongues in my prayer closet, and that's scriptural. Yeah, we believe that God at times, according to his will, does miraculous healings, and that people can operate in that flow, like our founder, Amy Semple McPherson did. So the burden of proof is on you. You've got to prove that it doesn't exist. But our experience says it does. And you don't have one scripture, not one scripture, to say that that was going to end when the apostles died.
2: The one thing that that is always striking, folks that have perhaps had the opportunity to travel on mission trips um, may know this to be true if they've witnessed it with their own eyes that we might hear in a uniquely American, perhaps more broadly Western Christian experience say, well, miraculous healings, people being raised from the dead, the blind seeing again, the lame walking, the deaf hearing. We certainly see that historically in the book of Acts and within the the first century church as a means of God using the miraculous to get people's attention. Mm -hmm. And very adeptly did so. But at a certain stage within the church experience that ceased, and yet travel to Mongolia, travel to parts of Africa, where there's no predisposition of of theology or doctrine in either direction. Meaning they're neither Calvinist <laughs> nor Armenian. They're not conservatives. They're not they're not charismatics. They're just Christians. Just Christians. And suddenly you begin hearing these testimonies of the farmer who was poisoned, who died, and the missionaries from the next village over came and prayed, and he was raised from the dead. And as a result, that entire village came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you see the evidence of that and say, wow, um, kind of hard to deny that's not God. And in, in fairness to John, John wouldn't say that
3: those things can't happen. What he is arguing is that the gift of healings, or the gifts, it's a double plural, gifts, plural, of healings, no one is walking around with those gifts today to be able to do that. And I say that's not, that again, that, that burden of proof is on you. Amy Semple McPherson, it's documented, it's verified she operated in those gifts, miraculously. Mario Marilla, who I quote in the book, I actually called him. He's a dear friend of mine who's a, a, a traveling evangelist, who God has done many miracles in his ministry. I said, give me a couple of astounding miracles that God did by word of knowledge and gifts of healings. And they're in the book. And he wrote about how God showed him this person while he was sitting in a lobby waiting for a ride to go to the uh, auditorium The Lord showed him that he's going to point out somebody in that congregation who had been stabbed and robbed, and their faith is gone. And that night, exactly what God showed him happened, called that man out, and the Lord healed him and delivered him. And um, how do you deny that? And I said that to John playing golf, and he goes, how do you want me to respond to that? I said, you can't, John.
2: Do you see this as putting God in... Too blatantly a defined box as limiting God by not believing in it? Is that what you're saying?
3: It takes people's faith away, Craig. It takes people's faith. If Paul said eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and that word eagerly means like to pursue something to hunt it, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, well, if they're no longer for today, why would I do that? So it takes faith away, and faith is what it takes to operate in these kinds of things. And as I argued in the book, you can't just flip a switch when you want to make them operate. You know, Elisha, um, when the woman came to him, her son had died, and Gehazi tried to push her away, Elisha said, no, leave her alone because the Lord has not shown me why she's hurting. In other words, the gift of word of knowledge just doesn't happen when you say so. It happens when God gives it to
2: you. And at the end of the day, in any of those examples, it's still about him, not about us. It's about him.
3: The Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he wills, and they operate as he wills. Uh, Paul, obviously, was an apostle who operated in miracle signs and wonders, but he couldn't heal everybody. He couldn't even heal himself. You know, Timothy had a stomach infirmity, and Trophimus was left sick in Miletus, and Epaphroditus almost died helping him. So the gift works when God says it works.
2: Is part of the challenge here the fact that there have been charlatans that have played upon... People that are vulnerable see the effect of the theatric, and are perhaps not even genuine believers. They're just taking
3: advantage. Well, that's John's point to begin with. That John loves to take an extreme and turn it into a book, <laughs> and so he'll take the cases where there's charlatans out there and makes a case out of that. And I and I vouch for him in my book. I say, you're right. There are charlatans. There are guys that are as phony as the day is
2: long. And there were, by the way, in the first century church, too. We're we're, we're told about the need to come back and correct doctrine in churches like Corinth and elsewhere, and the fact that those, again, going back to Scripture, having itching ears will attract to and seek out preachers and teachers that will say things that appeal to the flesh. That's not new at all. No, it's not new at all. And so I said to
3: John, okay, so yeah, there's charlatans, there's phonies, there's guys that miss it, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that old proverbial statement that, okay, just because there's phonies and there's charlatans, it doesn't mean do away with them. I mean, let's take that same argument. This is what I argued with John in the book. Let's take that same argument about communion. I mean, the Corinthians had turned the whole place into a circus and they were the clowns. And so they didn't do communion right. They didn't do the gifts right. They weren't loving right. They were suing each other in court. Do we throw out all those things too just because they were messing them up? No. We correct it. We teach the people what is accurate, what is godly, what is the leading of the Holy Spirit. We don't just throw it all away. And you don't even have scripture to back it up. His only scripture is about tongues and prophecy in 1 Corinthians 13. And he debunks his own argument if you read his commentaries.
2: Pastor Gary Mortero with us today in studio. He, of course, a senior pastor at Faith Fellowship Church in San Leandro. The broadcast, I Speak Life, heard weekday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. We'll take a brief time out, come back with some closing remarks right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Welcome back to the conversation. Pastor Gary Mortero with us today, Faith Fellowship Church located at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro, right off, and I mean right off, the 880 freeway. See it from the freeway. Folks can see the big sign out there. And, uh, of course, you want to get more information about the church, service times, directions on the web at faith-fellowship.us. That's faith dash fellowship.us. The radio broadcast, I Speak Life, heard weekday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. You also have a telecast, too. Yes, we've been on
3: television for over 12 years now, every Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m. So when you're getting ready for church, you can watch us. It's on KTLN channel 26 or 5, whatever it is, or
2: TV 68. Uh, I Speak Life, same name. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk a bit about the church. Um, give us a sense of the breadth and depth of the ministry that takes place there. Uh, you hint a little bit to the flavor of the makeup of the church. Uh, tell us about service times again, if you would, uh, children's church, and um, what all is available to folks that are perhaps new to the Bay Area and looking for a church home. Yeah. Um, so we're a one-stop shop, and uh,
3: we serve everybody from zero years of age, uh, birth, right on up, and we have youth groups, we have Sunday school, we have singles ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, our Sunday services are um, power-packed, the music is top-notch, that really aids our worship and praise of God, music isn't necessarily the worship and praise, but it aids us as we worship and praise the Lord, um, and then the Bible is just taught each week. Uh, I teach three or four Sundays in a row. And then Vince, my associate, teaches and gives me a break for a week. And then I teach again three or four weeks. So um, it's pretty powerful time, pretty powerful time. It's very, very eclectic in its uh, makeup, diversity of ethnicities and and so, uh, I think I'd go to our church if I. Had.
2: <laughs> <laughs> how would you describe to somebody in in an elevator conversation um, the the makeup of the church in thirty seconds or less, and your preaching style?
3: Um, I'm kind of high intensity. Uh, they say I have a great sense of humor. I listen to it; ah, it's funny. Um, I try to, you know, sprinkle that in. But I'm committed to the Word of God. I mean, that's how I was trained, even by Doctor MacArthur himself. Uh, I saw him one night at Redwood Chapel. They asked him to come and do some special event, and I was about five years saved. And I sat in the second row, and his delivery and background research was so great. I cried, and I went home, and I said, Lord, I want to be like that if I'm going to be a preacher. And so I honestly study as though Dr. MacArthur is going to be sitting in my service every Sunday. So I want to know that I covered all my bases. More importantly, right, study to show yourself approved unto God. Um, But that kind of mentality. So I want to break down the word and make it applicable to your life. Um, Yeah, we do a lot of theology, but we also do a lot of practical everyday living skills.
2: And it really needs to be a balance of both, too, doesn't it, in terms of the application of God's word to our own life?
3: Yeah. If people can't leave with something that day, then what was the point? Um, Either drawing themselves closer to the Lord or fixing a relationship like the blessing of forgiveness. Not the blessing that God gives us forgiveness, although that's awesome, but the blessing of forgiving other people. And So we talked all about relationships and the phone calls, emails, Facebooks that I received of, wow, that message stirred me to go call my sister who I haven't talked to in six years to get things right, at least do my part. That's everyday living.
2: And isn't it fascinating how oftentimes we as Christians, where you would think we'd have this one just nailed. We would have this one down pat. I mean, after all, we have been forgiven. Our salvation has been bought with a price. The Lord, in fact, set those wheels in motion. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We of all should know what it's like to having been forgiven to forgive others But we struggle with that sometimes don't we
3: We absolutely do The reason is is we, um, we exaggerate the other person's sin And we minimize ours And we forget Craig and this is what I hammered home last week We forget what God has done for us You know Christ died for us In that while we were yet sinners He died for us He loved us and said I'm going to die for you Even though you're the worst of sinner And so all of a sudden somebody offends us And we're like oh no that's the unpardonable sin
2: it's amazing, yeah, the way, the way we kind of change that up because we will, when offended, immediately say, we, we need to have a call for justice here. Yeah. This this wrong has to be righted. And yet when that table is turned, say, so, well, thank God Jesus forgave me. So yeah. I, <laughs> I use the
3: illustration. I said, it would be interesting to have a video camera on any one of us while we're driving. And watch the two different reactions. One, when somebody cuts you off, what is the reaction on your face and how do you respond internally? Two, how do you respond when you cut somebody off? And when we cut somebody off, I was oh sorry sorry my my bad excuse me. We want immediate grace and forgiveness and
2: understanding. But when somebody does it to us, oh no 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 no. I had a buddy of mine whose wife put a Nicktoons uh, sticker on the back of the of the car, and he went out there with a the hair dryer and took it off. He says, I just it's just <laughs> too ruinous <laughs> to my to my t- my uh, testimony if they see me respond in a negative fashion, and then yeah. they see ah there's another one of those Christians. You might get pulled over for having thought they stole the car. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Um, as we talk about your radio ministry, mm-hmm. tell us a bit about what we expect to hear on I Speak Life.
3: Well, they take our messages from Sundays mostly, uh, some Wednesday nights, because we have family Bible study on Wednesday nights, uh, and we edit them for radio. We love being on kfax and I'm going to again say we're on three times a day, 11 a.m., 10 p.m., and I think 3.30 a.m. in the I
2: morning. I check with John MacArthur, see how many times he's on. Yeah, no, we're, <laughs> we are the most
3: on. We're on 15 times a week. We're the most on KFAX. You must know somebody. I must know somebody. I guess so.
2: I love you, Craig. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, So they're going to hear our sermons edited uh, in time, not changing any of the content. We don't change anything on there except we edit it for the radio show. Um, So they hear it right there on KFAX Live, 1100
2: a.m. What do you got going on in the church right now? We've got, of course, Easter is going to be just around the corner here. Easter, April
3: 16th, Chabot College. We've been renting that venue out for over 10 years. It's a large 1,500-seat auditorium. We have two services packed out. We have Sunday school that day on Easter, which is April 16th this year, uh, 9 o'clock, 11.15 a.m. The youth are actually going to have their own service at the 9 o'clock service, and then those that want to come to 11.15 can sit in with the adults. Uh, We have drama that day, the choir, worship, and I always bring a message from God's heart so April 16th, Chabot College, 9 and eleven fifteen a.m., something for everybody.
2: And church right now on Sundays, you're talking about the Daniel Fast. Yeah. Tell us about that.
3: So every year, Pastor Vince, my senior associate, he leads that. Uh, but it's 40 days of just eating what in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, talked about things that come from the earth. You don't eat any special meats or whatever. Uh, and that whole thing, honestly, behind it is to pray for our Easter services because so many people come forward at our Easter services. And sometimes people make their mind up that morning that they're going to come to church, and we believe it's the Lord working in them. And so the whole thing is geared towards not only sanctification and uh, consecration to the Lord, but praying that your family and friends will get saved on that Easter Sunday morning.
2: So really, I mean, obviously health benefits, to be sure, uh, though somebody like me would, would struggle with the notion of no salami for 40 days. Really? Come on. <laughs> Italians like us, brother. You can't <laughs> take away my salami Ortodella? or pepperoni. Those are fighting words. <laughs> but to, to during that time of fasting, refocus your attention on not just why you're fasting, but on that that, that consecration mm-hmm. in, in relationship to the Lord. Yeah. And seeing God do some mighty things as a result of that, that emphasis of a time of prayer. Fasting is is a sacrifice no matter how you do it.
3: Like I don't always do the Daniel fast every year. I choose other fasts, like twenty-four hour or forty-eight hour fast. Whatever you're doing, it's a sacrifice. You gotta pre-think about it. You know, you think ahead, right? How am I gonna do this? Okay, well I can't eat that, I gotta eat this. And so all of that is done for a purpose. You know, Lord, I I wanna draw closer, I wanna go deeper. And I want to be the intercessor for those who are estranged from you. As Paul said, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, right? So we're the hands that tie their hands together. And um, often prayer is is huge. I mean, people ask me, they used to pastors all the time, what's the secret of your church growing? And I used to tease them. I said, well, we pay people to go here. <laughs> but the real issue is prayer. People pray.
2: Well, and that really was key instrumental in the beginning of your own ministry. You described the fact that you had a praying mother. Yeah. So your direct testimony of the results of the power of prayer. Yeah, and when I got saved, I lived with my parents, 22 years
3: old, obviously. And my prayer closet was every night walking my hunting dog around the neighborhood for an hour just for exercise for him. And that was my prayer closet every night. So I'm a young Christian. I'm praying for an hour every night, and nobody's bothering me. And and I just learned that prayer is the
0: key.
2: I want to mention again for listeners that are maybe new to the Bay Area, you're looking for a church home, check out Faith Fellowship. You can get details on the web at faith-fellowship.us. That's faith-fellowship.us, conveniently right off the 880 Freeway in San Leandro. The radio broadcast, I Speak life heard three times daily right here on KFAX. We want to emphasize that. And the principal broadcast, of course, weekday mornings at 11 a.m., Right after Dr. John McCarthy. Right after. He'll probably call and say, I want a new time. (laughs) And it's right before Chuck Swindoll, so I'm sandwiched between two big guys. Good stuff. Yeah. Pastor Gary, thanks so much for coming in and sharing today. Pastor Gary Mortero, Senior Pastor at Faith Fellowship in San Leandro.
1: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved